Hey guys, I got my good buddy Matt Alwine here for episode 51. We're finally doing, uh, I guess better late than never, but we're doing the uh, NRL Hunter recap and we're actually going to talk real life hunting, not just pretend hunting as well. So it's uh, getting to be close to that season. Um, Both of us have gotten back from a few hunts and we're getting ready to go on some more. And uh, you probably had, you got your hands maybe bloody today even. So it's kind of what you do this time of year. That's a fact. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So anyway, um, we'll, let's just start on the NRL Hunter, the championship down at Cameo. Cameo? Cameo. I was, I've got Idaho on the mind. Um, and uh, go from there. So you shot, you shot quite a bit all year. I shot only one match. And you kind of dove into it all year and, and were, you were loving it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, I shot three of them before plus the championships of four total did you start with a six five creed yep yeah okay. i shot the same gun all season okay yeah. okay i shot six feet five prc for both my matches which i don't think is ideal for this game especially in the i mean maybe in the heavy class but i don't think in the light which is what i did it's the only one for me the only one i shot the very first match of the year which was in nebraska yep um which was an awesome match, but I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know the format. I didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. And it was, we were in a snowy sub zero conditions. It was really hard to range and the flat shooting. I, I wished I had a PRC there. And so then I started yeah. thinking, well, man, maybe I better build a PRC. But once I shot another match, I was like, no, no, six, five creeds where it's at. And the reason, uh, the reason that you were thinking that, um, you know, Nebraska flatland, same with Wyoming or coyote hunting in the flats is range uncertainty. Um, if you can ping a range like on like where the where the championship was or the Grand Slam, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, more terrain, steeper hills. If you miss the target, you're going to hit a few feet behind it generally. Whereas on flat ground, you know, you might pick up 20 yards ahead of it and 30 yards behind it and you got a 50 yard gap where with a slower gun like a 6.5 Creed, uh, especially if you're running heavies, but with a 6.5 Creed, you're just a little slower, so your ranges have to be more spot on. And that's the same for when I was coyote hunting a lot, that's when I really was getting into like Vectronics range finders because the beam divergence is really small. Uh, oh, I got you. The size yep. of your laser when you get way out there. But yeah, that so that makes sense. Um, that flatter ground might be, maybe speed would help. Um, well, that was once I got familiar with the format and the flow of the, the, the four minute time, find your targets, range your targets. Um, then I started getting a feel for how much time I could spend ranging. And by the time, like mm-hmm. the championship there, you know, goodness, every target, I bet I ranged it six, seven times yeah. and ranged what was behind it, what was in front of it, yep. making sure because. That's definitely something I learned the hard way in Nebraska was I'd hit it and be like, oh, I know the range. Well, I didn't. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yep, yep, yeah, for sure. That's something that I've beat into my head over the years. That's good. So going back to that first match, if you would have, uh, like if you went back there right now, would you take a PRC or would you just take your Creed and just just be more thorough about ranging? Whew, that's a good question. I'd probably take my Creed actually and just be more thorough about ranging yeah. for sure. Dude, yeah. that your Creed is a freaking laser. That thing was on fire. <laughs> I mean Jeez. I mean you were shooting good, but you know, obviously it's the it's the guy shooting too, but man, that thing was consistent. Both both of our rigs were just hammering, so there have been multiple other like 
PRS or regular NRL matches where I'm like, I might just take this gun. They're like, no, I don't want to burn the barrel up on it. It's a, it's a shooter. Dude. It's what is it? 27 inch barrel on it. So it's pretty quick for Creedmoor and yeah. Yeah. Jen well, Knowlton, and you're running those stinking 135 a tips out of it, which have a BC that's not much behind some of the bigger bullets. Um, no, when, yeah. you, when you, you it's know, a, take into speed and everything, it's, it's, it's really impressive. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we enter all the, the championship, the grand sum is blind, but obviously when we're done shooting, we're comparing notes after every stage. Hey, what do you hold on this target? What do you hold on this as we're walking to the next stage? Like, and our wins were pretty stinking similar. And I was shooting a 156 at a little more speed. I think I had a, I probably had a 10th on you inside of it, but those targets were all, were all bigger than that. There was, there was a lot of targets that were really small vertically, but had a little more room horizontally. So some of those bears were like these little mini bears. They're real short up and down, but at least you had some length. So a 10th of wind isn't really going to get you one way or the other. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was fun, kind of comparing notes and seeing how how consistent that creed our, was, and that's definitely what I want to shoot next year. Our wins were super consistent, except the one target where we came off, and yeah. I was like, "What'd you hold?" You're like three tenths. What'd you hold? Oh, three tenths. And then a little while later, we realized I was holding left, and you were holding right. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. It was a little switchy. <laughs> that was that was a fun. I, I I told that to a couple people. There was a that was the Ramhead stage, I believe. Yep. So uh, yep. Matt shot in front of me on on day one. He would shoot first um, our order, and then on day two, I ended up shooting first. So that was day one. So Matt shot first. He got done. Pulled the stuff off the line. Was back over by the spotters, putting the stuff away. And then they call me up. So I go up on my clock. I I look down at the targets. I range them. I set my gun up, and then I stand up. Because where we started was down behind this hill, and and this was actually the way these targets were were most kind of a different direction than we'd been shooting, and I, I I stood back up and I do my thing where I kind of face the put the wind in my face and I put my hands up and I kind of get facing where I straight into the wind, and and then afterwards Matt was like, dude, you're he was like in his head he was like you're facing the wrong way you're facing the wrong way, and and I loved it because if that was a t- traditional match a, P- a PRS NRL two day, you know you'd got done shooting you're like hey man because you shot I think you missed one shot. Um, probably through the horns because those stupid ram heads are brutal. You can, yeah. <laughs> it's you can hit perfect elevation and just off center and slip it through one of the holes on either side of the of the head there. But um, w- you know we get done and and you had held right side, pretty much right off the right edge there. And if you would have came off the line and said, "Hey man, I held right edge, cleaned it." And if you weren't really paying attention and you went up there and you just started with that, you would have missed way right. Because when I went up there, it was definitely blowing left to right, and I shot yep. the whole thing left edge and did yep. really well. And so that was that's one an example of w- one of the reasons I'm I'm kind of digging this interval hunter thing. It's it's for one, it's different, and you got to admit that. Like, hey, we've all been doing the two day, and we're used to it. So anything new is fun. So there's there's that element, but you do add some really fun elements that I don't. It'll be fun to see how this 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 pro- progresses and evolves uh, rules and formats and match directors and and it's fun because everything seems every match seems like a little different flavor where it's some targets are easy to find some are hard some posi- it just depends on the match director and it seems like it varies more than normal two days do with match directors personally For sure. so yeah and but. some targets are um, easy to find and you still can't find them. 
<laughs> okay. Well, we better get into it then. <laughs> so, uh, this is old news, but uh, Matt and I tied. Uh, he was shooting heavy, and I was shooting light. And we tied with 100, 147 or 46 points. I don't even remember. 46, I think. And the only reason we tied, because the because of the very first stage on Saturday morning, Matt goes up there and can't find... It, I wouldn't say it was the easiest target because it, it, was, it, it was one of the easiest targets of the weekend. No, because it was a, the way the light was. We were looking down and the light was coming up. It wasn't because even at, I found it and I cleaned it. And but when I went to the gun, it it wasn't the easiest, but it wasn't very hard either. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it was it was uh, I, what were they? Were they coyote? Or no, deer, no, they were like half deer. Half, half deer. Yeah. You found the first one right away. So a lot of these stages are, you know, they're blind. We can't see the targets and some of the shooting positions. Um, mainly, you can't see the targets, but everyone's staged down below, and you can see you can see the shooter. So we're sitting there, and you're looking and looking and looking, and, and we're I'm like the guys in the square. We're like, this is the first stage. Matt's the first shooter. And we're like, oh man, what's oh no, oh no! And you 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 get your first round on the first target, and then you go back to looking because you got to shoot uh, close target, far target, move close target, far target. So you shoot the close target, then you go back to looking and looking and looking and looking and looking. You can't find it, and then we see you move positions and shoot the first target again. Skip that, and you're like, there goes yeah. I waited four. until there was twenty seconds left or something, and said, well at least get two more points and shoot the first target again. So, so that's the worst thing. You know, sometimes you don't find a target on a four target one. Well, that target's only worth two points. Well, when you don't find a target on a two target, uh, stage, painful. that target then becomes worth four points. Cause he so, didn't engage it from either. It was a second shot from both from two positions and he didn't engage it from either one. So down four right off the bat. And, and I, I was so, I was, I was visibly unhappy. We'll put it. Yeah, well, rightfully so. I mean, that's tough. But so I, 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 I can't. It's like I just lost the whole match on the first stage. That was my. That's what I thought. Yeah, and we, when we talked about that and later, then, and you're like, maybe that was. You're like, you, I mean, you said a couple of times, like maybe that's what I needed to like really get in gear because you went on an absolute tear for the next 19 well, stages. Was, 10, 15 minutes later, we're talking. You're like, no, just you're kind of giving me a pep talk, and you just you good the rest of the way. I said, yeah, I'm just not another target. <laughs> And and you, almost <laughs> you pretty much didn't dude you it was it was impressive um at the end of so we should, obviously 10 more stages that day at the end of that day were we tied no i was up two on you because i only missed Gee. i missed two more shots oh, that day, that's so, right. so, six on so day you went one. down i was four up on the first stage and then you made back you made six up on me that whole day um, yeah, yeah, you were two up yeah. on me. That's right. That's right. Cause I got you by two to tie yep. on day two. So anyway, yep. okay. Yep. So let's, uh, we could, we could bounce all over. Um, uh, well, so uh, just to cover day. So day one, I end up two up on you day two. You beat me by two. What beat us both up on day two was yep. elevation issues. I think we, I missed eight on day two and you missed six on day two then yep. total. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think, one of, of them was I didn't find a target. Misses. I didn't find one target. I didn't shoot yep. at. So that's two right there. So I dropped yep. and four. I, and I had, I think I missed w- maybe one on wind, and all my others were 
elevation from updraft. We and yeah, we started and, on a tough stage. It was um, stage four, I believe. It was. It's were they? What were those? Bears there were those little coyotes, bears. maybe coyotes. Yeah. Anyway, they kind of went up this hill. We got the we good and bad. We got you know sun was up at our back, so we could find all the targets. the The night before, it was hard to see because sun was kind of in your face, and some guys were having a hard time finding targets. So we were able to find all the targets, but both of us started out that morning and were high. We're like, oh boy, here we go. So I lucked out, and I think I ended up getting a six out of eight on that, and you got a five. And I sailed the first one way over, and I was like. They can't be. It had to be a cold bore or something in the barrel. There's no way I was that high because I was so on. Send another one. Just, and I know better, but, man, the first shot of the day, cold bore, every once in a while, I'll, I'll second-guess that shot sometimes when I shouldn't have. And I sailed that shot over the top. So then the next ones, I just held belly, and I went – I hit impact, impact. And then I remember the third target – or the fourth target you couldn't see from the position. And – that this this shot this lucky shot actually kept me kept me in but I moved couldn't see it moved couldn't see it moved couldn't see it finally moved way over to the outer limit barely could saw it I looked down at my timer I had seconds left like like three like I was at three fifty seven slammed the bolt home swung by and pulled the trigger and I hit the head of that thing was pretty clean and I hit it right in the nose for two points and just <laughs> as the and then it was like boom beep and I was like I just couldn't have got any more lucky on that one but I'll take it <laughs> yeah, that, that stage that was my worst next to not finding the target stage that was my worst shooting stage and I was even more stubborn than you in that I sailed my first one yeah and then sailed my second one and then you move to the next and i said oh i got bad yardage that was yeah so i go to the next one sail my first one and then i realized okay we got something going on here and i Mm -hmm. cut like three tents and i hit that one and then hit the rest but it yeah it was i had like three tents i had to shave off of that yeah yeah that's that's probably about where i was and i think it was updraft uh wind ripping up the canyon you kind of played around and shaved a tent throughout the day but I, I stuck with my stuff. I was like, no, I think, you know, I, th- I thought there was an updraft. I think that's mostly what it was. Y- you know, you had some stuff where you were second guessing. You had some Kestrel issues comparing them to your well, binos. I and to find out my Kestrel had I, totally crudded out on me, but I yeah. updated it fixed it but yeah i was having some issues (laughs) yeah which doesn't help with your confidence when you're running your kestrel and your kestrel's way off you're like well maybe that's right my binos are wrong and anyway so it it worked out we 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 hung in there but what's uh let's go through uh let's go through both of our guns real quick and then um uh come back to some of our favorite stages and least favorite stages and some stuff like that so um obviously you were shooting the six five creed you were in heavy so run th- run through your gun real quick, just kind of chassis barrel. Yeah, so I was shooting the Curtis Axiom Hybrid, mm-hmm. um, like a 27-inch Bartland that uh, uh, Jed Knowlton chambered for me, Sage Precision. Um, shooting an XLR. I was shooting the JV, or the, not the Element, the... Um, oh, the Envy. The Envy, yeah, with like the all the weights pulled off and I could just make weight with it then. And then shooting, uh, running a triple pull, um, shooting the one thirty fives at like 28. It sped up a little bit when I got there, 2880, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And right. then the Leopold with the, the five twenty five with the PR two. Yep. 
Yeah, I think that's yeah, triple pull. Did you run I think you ran so I had my Atlas too. You ran I, your I, each of us ran a shorter bipod on a couple stages. Yep. Yep. I I swapped it off on a couple where where we ended up going prone or whatever. And we probably didn't even need to, but but we did. No, it was just there were a couple where it was like kind of modified prone on a rock and the triple pull was pretty wide to get down. Mm-hmm. And I found the targets quick, so I knew I had time and I just swapped it over real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I ran the I ran the MDT triple pull as well in light class. I just made it like twelve point zero on the button on the way in. Uh, running the the MDT H and T twenty six, the new carbon stock, which I really really dig in. Um, I like it more than I thought I would with how dead it is on the shot with that all carbon. It's it's pretty fun. I just took it on an elk hunt and taking it on a deer hunt here this on Sunday. So. Been digging that uh, Loop Mark Five Five Twenty Five PR Two, Twenty Four Inch Carbon Six Five PRC. It was Eight Twist One Fifty Six Burgers at Twenty Nine Thirty Twenty. I think Twenty Nine Twenty Nine Twenty Twenty Nine Thirty Somewhere in there. The Curtis Hybrid, the Ax, the or the Axiom Hybrid as well. That same kind of skeletonized action. You can save some weight there. I, I really like that. Um, what am I missing? Trigger Tech. Gold, oh, gold trigger tags. Gold, baby. Hey, we've got some gold trigger. We've been, we had a terrible, we did a terrible job uh, marketing them, but we got a line of. So, for those of you guys who don't follow Rut Daniels on Instagram, you need to. Um, he's hilarious. He's a hunting guy that's just always doing spoofs. And one of his sayings is, "It's a trigger gold, the bird of fold, or the whatever, anything he's shooting at." So we ended up making some gold triggers because I love Rut and. Uh, most of them are sold out, but I think there's a couple gold I triggers. I bought like half of them. Well, and I then I bought them. I bought a bunch from my own. I was like, well, I was like, Jake, I want some of these things. Look sick, and they're awesome. They're anyway. They're Trigger Tech Diamonds. They're the they're past the recall. There's no recall issues. It's past that recall section where there was some diamond issues. Um, they took care of those, and we, we got these. Made sure to get these after the fact. Everything was corrected. We've been running them with zero issues, but they're on Jake's JC Steel. Uh, VP Precision. They got our little VP logo engraved on them, but they're all gold. They look sick on a black gun. So anyway, grab them. I think they're just regular diamond price on Jake's site. So um, running that, and then I had a Area Four Nineteen Three Port on there. So, but the triple pull, the triple pull is huge. The MDT Skypod triple pull. It's so versatile. You can it's it's you can get away with murder. People make fun of it and. It is big. I'll take it on some hunts. I just took a double pull on a hunt. Um, I'm going to take a double pull this up to Kodiak Island for deer. I'm going to leave the double pull on there. So I don't know. People talk trash like you never take one of those big bipods hunting. But, man, after you get used to them. Nah, I would. I, yeah, I, they're awesome. I'll definitely take triple pulls like coyote hunting. is like people do tripods off. I'll take the. I'll probably take triple pull. And then you could use your little glassing tripod as a rear support if you wanted. Um, exactly you could you oh, could, and that was a lot of man there are a lot of stages where we could you could see people shooting after the fact and we'd see people just you know single bagging off rickety stuff where they could be grabbing a doing a triple pull out front or a tripod in the rear or something yeah. and that's you know you got with this nrl hunter you got enough time if yep. you think it through you can dual support you know you can have front and rear support yep. rather than just setting up on your tripod which that's a cool way to shoot but it's not as accurate 
No, I mean, we should talk about that on a bunch of different stages. So like we said, you can see most of the, as you're walking to the next stage, you see the squad in front of you shooting, shooting position. You don't, all the target locations are hidden. You're not allowed to get on glass. Some of the, some of them you could see, um, you know, naked eye if it was bright white or fresh paint and the sun was on them or something. But you really can't see much of anything except for the shooting position. And we walked up. What was, what was that one stage? It was probably the easiest stage of the match. I think it was a big old ram like it. It wasn't very far, and there was this. There was two vertical like. Uh, branches pounded in the ground and a couple horizontal branches tight lashed across them about four feet wide. So like kind of a, a little wobbly barricade thing they built. Yeah. And so the shooting position was up there. And so there was, there was, I think it was two Rams or one Ram. I can't remember. It was a big target. It was only 400 yards away. It was, it was giant. Well, you go up there and we walked up and we're like, man, we saw guys like putting game changers on there and shooting it and then trying to set up their tripods and go tripod rear off of it. And you're like, oh man, this is, you must not be able to see. For some reason you can't see because there's something in front of the barricade and you got a clear brush or something. We're like, okay, well, so I run up there with my turn. I deploy my tripod thinking I'm going to need it for something. Before I even do anything, I like, I put my pack down. As soon as I did, I start deploying the tripod. I set it. And I turn and I see the target naked eye and I'm like, wait, what? And so I, I uh, look at my binos. I'm like, is that the, that's the target? I asked ROs, is that target by this? And they're like, yes. And I was like, so I arrange them. I'm like, oh, it's like 400 yards. I'm like, well, I don't want you to shoot a prone. <laughs> and so you just, it's like, you could easily with a normal bipod, not triple pull, no big bags, nothing. It was just, it was up on top of this hill, bare ground, lay down prone, shoot it move position, shoot it from somewhere else as easy as you could do. And we watch guys shoot it off that barricade over and over be- that you didn't need to. They just guys, is they panic? So trained from shoot off the barricade. That might be what it is. People just assume that they were supposed to let her rip. So we saw guys like, you know, missing one, two shots up there, which that's super, those add up so much in this format. Um, it's not like you got an eight out of a 10. It's like you, you just got like a two or a three out of eight and, um, watch guys just missing shots where all you got to do is lay down and just, you know, shoot prone. So that, I think that's a good point about slowing down. Um, man, I think that's where time, I mean, I can't imagine shooting one of those matches without a timer. Um, no, no. Yeah. I, I would. There's no way I go crazy with that one. How much? How much are you looking at your timer? You think, like three, Most four, five I times? Don't, won't even need to. But there's probably there was probably three or four stages where there were hard to find targets. Where mm-hmm. that's when you start looking. Especially other matches, there are a couple. Where, um, there was one match in or one stage in Nebraska where, and finally you know with 30, 40 seconds left, I shoot these. So I get down. I shoot the first three, started scanning with my scope, and ended up finding the fourth in my scope, being able to get it. But it was, you know, you couldn't, you, who knows when to give up on looking for a time if you don't know where your time's at, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah you got you got to have a timer. Yeah. Way more than any other styles. Yeah, kind of your drop dead time. I think some guys will take it to a minute, like, okay, I've spent three minutes doing everything. I'm going to spend 60 seconds shooting. 
um, you know, whatever that time is for you, I think it's it's valuable to have. Um, time, you can wear a watch, you can put it on your arm board, you can put it to your gun. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Just as long as you, there's a timer somewhere, they're pretty they're pretty handy. I mean, Maybe I like them at all matches, but. What was that? I need to lift something. Or maybe you got a good internal clock and you don't need it, but that's not me. I got when, when I get sped up, you know, when they say time starts now, it just all goes out the window. So yeah, exactly. You, you need time. At least I. Well, I mean, same with levels. Some people say they don't need levels. I'm like, man, you get in some goofy positions, or you got to shoot weak side, or you're on some angle. You know, you're shooting a side hill, and the target's on a different angled side hill. Dude, you gotta have a level. I don't know. I mean, so many people watched people miss we targets with levels. That. Yeah, we ran into that at the match. One of the guys in our squad wasn't running a level, and he'd be like, "Man, I'm I'm going way off left. What's going on?" And so we started talking to him about it and watching. Like he'd shoot behind us, we'd watch his level. Man, we could see his level was way off. So hey, you need to get a level. I think he ended up coming back with one the second day and doing way better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, I'm amazed how many like legit shooters will argue that you don't need a level on your rifle. It's weird. Uh, I mean, and I guess it depends on where you're at. If you're shooting a square range and it's flat, you probably don't need one. Everything's pretty, pretty good, but you get in some broken terrain or you start shooting, you know, weak side on a, on an angled branch or a, you know, a side hill or something. I just, your mind can play tricks. I like to bring people to my house because the way my house sets, it's almost always can't at the 600 yard. Uh, everybody that doesn't have a level. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, mm-hmm. it just depends on the terrain features. So, um, so what are a couple must haves like guys thinking about getting into, into inner, into the inner hunter next year? I think it's a fun format. I think it's going to grow. Um, it's a blast. So, I mean, one of the big ones for me, obviously gun, all that stuff. I, you, I think you have to have range finding binos that give you, that the give first you thing I was correction. Say, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine competing oh. without those. I mean, there's guys doing it with arm boards, I guess, but yeah, I, I, that's working. I just, I think those range finding binos that give you ballistics are, gosh, they're so good. Um, I don't know what else. Triple pull. Got it. Yeah, that's you don't have to. I mean, there's you go get Swarrow Zeiss like or whatever you can break the bank on them or i mean there's that sig one it's not that expensive um yeah, and I've the glass heard, isn't great i've been but, hearing good things about this I, so for the budget i think the sig and the vortex um yeah you know i'm not a a, a giant uh the well, two I'm, Leopold I'm, guys here talking about Sig and Vortex. Well, Leopold, I mean, I was freaking talk to, I was talking to him yesterday. I was like, "Hey, what's the update?" And they're like, well, "We're working on." It. And I and I got some some info, you know, so maybe some Q two of next year. Um, it's definitely on the on the, uh, you know, they're planning it, and it's something they've worked on. They have worked on ran into some kinks in the past and had to shelf some stuff. So. Um, they know, they know it's important. They know they're working on it. So, but they don't have it right now. So it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, I think we both right. ran the Zeiss Victory RFs, which are a really cool, uh, really cool bino. You can just enter your stuff on your app and you on your phone and then you sync it to your binos. I didn't think the Swirls were going to pan out. Um, I think they've had some app updates and a bunch of guys were running those at the match. And I played with those, the new Swirl, uh, ranging, uh, ballistic, uh, bino 10 by 42s and guys were loving those mm-hmm. they were impressive when i played with them um real impressive and the light the i think 
I think Morgan was running the Leicas. No, the he Leicas was running the Swords. Oh, did he switch? Yeah, he switched. Oh, you know, we probably should give Morgan. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So I did not mean to do that, but yes, Morgan. Morgan tied. We, sorry, I absolutely. Morgan's awesome. He's a buddy. We all tied. So Morgan and I tied in the light class. I just got the tiebreaker because I had a power factor. I was shooting. He was shooting a PRC or a, a Creed, and I was shooting a PRC, and so I had a higher power factor. So I the tiebreaker goes to me. So we tied. Uh, so I, you kind of outmanned him. You guys shot the same, but you outmanned him a little bit there. A little. I'll take what I can get. I mean, I don't know. For his size, a Creed <laughs> probably beats him up more than a PRC beats me up. So, because he's just a I little mean, guy. For his size, a Red Rider would beat him up more than a PRC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good thing Sorry, he's too busy to I, I, listen. He's too busy to listen to these anyway, so he'll never hear this. So, <laughs> no, we love Morgan. I absolutely did not mean to leave him out. We all three tied, which was crazy. Like. Uh, we got, you know, get down, we're talking, we're like, well, what'd you get, what'd you get? And we're just like, wow. Cause he, we had him by five on Saturday and he caught us. Uh, to, he only missed, he missed one shot on day two. One shot on the mover. And we were shooting different stages and he, we had one, he started the stage after the really hard stage where we missed a bunch. And then the stage where uh, I couldn't find the target, he cleaned and that was a big clean. Like I got a five on that. So he got me by three on that one stage. Um, but it came down, to, you know, after we were talking about it, it came down to the last stage. We all had to clean, and, and we're, we all ended up, we were, you know, different places, and we cleaned. And it was hard because we went cold for like an hour. We had some targets go down. The wind switched 180 degrees and really picked up. I, I was I was more nervous about that last stage than I have been in a while, walking up, you know, running up there. And, and I saw those targets. I was like, dang, those are smaller than I was hoping. And... uh uh, that first shot when I hit, I was like, yes. I was like, I held, I think I was holding oh, I was, eight tenths left I and was, we had been holding right all day. Yeah. Yeah. I was so stressed going up to that. Like, uh, cause you went in front of me and you cleaned it. So now I know I have to clean now it. You have to. to tie. Yeah. And like you said, it'd been an hour of downtime. The wind had one eighty, and I got up there, got them ranged and it was, they were further than I thought they're going to be six Same. or seven hundred, seven. Yep. 20 maybe something yep. like that yep and yeah like you said it was like i think i started with three quarter eight tenths left and yep. we'd just been holding the target before in the same direction we'd hold like a half mil right and it was hard to yep. pull the trigger on that first <laughs> was, and then it hit, you're like, oh i know <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was. It was cool. We both ended up cleaning. It felt good. It was actually fun because we, I kind of, kind of was going last minute. I, you know, as you guys know, it was kind of a busy, a different year for me. And uh, I was like, man, I want to go. It, it just, I really like the format. Scott and Travis, I got a fun thing going on, and it worked out. And 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 we were talking the whole time. We're like, dude, let's let's tie. Or, you know, we'll get first and heavy and first and light. And that, I mean, you say that all the time when you travel, but it doesn't always happen. And for it, for it to pan out that way was pretty, was pretty fun. You just had to not shoot those first four points on day one. So I could tell you. So, <laughs> well, it, I just, you know, had to give you a little bit of a handicap. A handicap yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh, that was, that's funny. Yeah. Like, you I'm so much better than you now, John, I'm just going to burn my first two shots in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> it almost panned out. Hey guys, we had a little, uh, a little internet slowdown and got pretty choppy. So I'm going to just s- splice this in wherever, 
that makes sense. And we were talking, we were just kind of going through Friday stuff. Um, and the, uh, I guess it's called the hunt expo. And I think it was kind of thrown together. It wasn't planned obviously a year. I, I don't believe it was planned a year in advance, but, um, they ended up getting a bunch of vendors there on Friday and maybe Thursday and Friday. I can't, I can't remember. Um, but a bunch of, just a bunch of vendors that are, you know, in the sport, uh, I don't want to start listing names. I'll forget them, but you know, we'll talk about it. But, uh, and they had open, like open range demo stuff with ammo and guns. You could use it. It was, it was really, really fun. And so, um, the pros and cons of, (laughs) of it being, uh, not a giant event yet. I think it's going to grow in the years to come, but there wasn't a ton of people walking around. Some guys were shooting matches and stuff and there was demo stuff with ammo. And so when Matt and I walked around, uh, everything wasn't much of lines to shoot guns. And so that was, and the ammo was free. <laughs> it was flowing like water. <laughs> 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 so we we didn't we just tried not to we didn't sit there and shoot hundreds of rounds from each person we didn't abuse it but we definitely uh we definitely shot a little bit and so we started doing side matches so we would walk or side bets or whatever we'd walk up to the voodoo had their 360 their new 22 with a 60 degree throw which we we both liked because you know we run curtis as their 60 degrees so we were doing side matches with that we shot this dueling tree. Well, that didn't work because we did the same thing. Or, or a KYL rack, we both cleaned it. And so then we just guessed. That was a pretty fun one, actually. We're like, okay, we found a spot on a rock that was, we don't really know how far away it was. And we're like, okay, closest one to that spot. And Michael Lilly was there on spotter. He was going to make the call. And I, I shot first, and we just guessed. I was like, I have no idea how far away that is, but I'm going to hold right here in the scope and I'm going to hold over for wind. And so I just, just absolutely lucky guessed. And it was probably the size of a, I think the hole was about the size of a racquetball, um, a little bigger than a golf ball, maybe a baseball. I don't know. And I hit perfect elevation left side of the left side of the hole. And I could not, I could not believe it. it. I mean, it was like 150 or 170 yards. Like we held like five mils or something. Well, no, we held five, but remember there was dope dialed. So we, it was, I think it was, I think it was pushing 200, 100. Yeah, I I believe it. It was out there. I can't, I can't remember, but so, and then, and then, and Matt was like, come on. And, uh, and then you shot and you, I beat you, but barely, I mean, you were just yeah. underneath it. I was like, that's pretty good guessing for just absolute <laughs> thrown out there. So that was one of them. Uh, we went to the SIG booth. Those guys were great. They had a bunch of cool pistols there. I'm definitely going to be ordering, um, they have a, it's the X five. I think it's an X five Legion or, or one of their Max Michelle's pit comp pistol. It's pretty cool. Um, we shot that one. I really like that one. I like to get that one ordered and, and then put a better, a little better trigger in it. But other than that, it was pretty sweet, but we shot those, we shot, uh, uh, plate racks with those. And then we shot a couple different, you know, some Ipsix and some different things with that. And then, um, why don't you talk about the, what well, are probably our favorite one. <laughs> the Viking armament one. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, <laughs> that was legendary. <laughs> it, it was, it was one yeah. of those ones you don't want to say here, I'll do it again. <laughs> we just no, like, no, we're no. good. <laughs> so we walk up to the booth and 
they're showing us their guns or whatever, and they had like a a super lightweight, like a six or seven pound, um, six Creedmoor in an XLR little magnesium chassis. I don't remember if it was their new Adam one or the standard one, but it was a little. I think it was light. Adam because the foreign was so short. Yeah, it was I think tiny. It was. Yeah, and they're and they're like, oh, we're just shooting it off this tripod at this target at four hundred or three hundred ninety yards or four hundred twenty yards, something like that. Yeah, and. uh was like, well, we're going to try it offhand. And they, they're like, oh, okay, sure. So and we're betting like 20 bucks, me yeah. and you, back and forth. And so I was like, well, what's the dope? So he dials the dope for me. And I think it was a Leopold, like a VX5 or something on it. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. he dials the dope. And I pull up. I just, I mean, I'm waving all over this target. Like, I'm not <laughs> holding steady. Yeah. But I broke it in the se- – when I broke it, I knew I'd hit. And bing, I just smacked that target. And I just, <laughs> and I just handed you the gun, and I'm thinking, oh, there's 20 bucks for me. <laughs> and I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. So I threw that sucker up there. Um I uh, dry fired a couple times. I yeah, put it up you, there. You kind of, you kind of were gaming. It a you dry fired it once. I think I yeah, dry fired it three like times. More. <laughs> yeah, right. I went three times. Uh, I definitely missed one of my shots, and the other two were questionable. They were not guaranteed. <laughs> you <laughs> and, mean your drive? You mean your dry fire? Yes, shots. my dry fire shots. I'm yeah. like, oh boy. Yeah. Well, I may as well give it a rip. So I loaded up there, and it just broke perfect side to side. I was just below center when it broke. I was like, yes. I just, I. I pulled it. I just dropped the gun. I just, I, I put the gun down. I was like, I knew I hit it. Just boom. And everybody was like, it was pretty fun. Cause we both, you know, we both back to back freehand. And we, and at that point we just walk away. And like, we were right. talking some crash going up there. So oh, we, yeah. had, you know, we at least didn't look like idiots when we were talking like idiots. And it was pretty fun. Those guys were super cool. They showed, they got some pretty cool, pretty cool setups. Look, play with some of their RO, their, their ARs. They had a stinking, yeah. what was that stupid 50? Goodness gracious. Like, like a, a Beowulf? Yeah, 50 it- Beowulf and an AR platform. We shot that thing. Oh my gosh. It was, it was open. There was no sights. It was just like trying to get closest to this one thing. And it was, we were both terrible on that. But I, I shot one shot and handed you the gun. I was not interested in shooting no, another. No, it wasn't. It was, I don't know what that's for, but I'm sure there's something. Uh, bears, I guess. It's, I don't know. It's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so that was fun. Um God, the uh shot the voodoo's twenty twos are always fun. Oh, they had one um was that the proof booth, I guess. They had this twenty two. It was hilarious. They had this twenty two. It was a twenty was it twenty six inch, like a f- straight taper uh suppressed in an MDT weighted down 22 and I was standing to the left of it on the bench the guy on the bench I don't it wasn't you it was somebody else was shooting it and they closed it and and it didn't pick up around and the dry fired and so then I was like and then he he racked the bolt again and shot again well, I thought he dry fired again and then he did it again. And, and I thought he dry fired. I was like, I was like, what's, is it not picking up? He's like, no, what do you mean? I was like, well, I thought I, I, I didn't, didn't hear it. It didn't go off because the gun, it does not move and it did not make a sound. And he would been, he only dry fired the first time. The other two times were live rounds. Like that was kind of a fun gun. That thing was yeah, absolutely was ridiculous. ridiculous. It was a 20, 20 some pound 
20, I don't know, it was super heavy 22. That was suppressed with a really long barrel and it was silent. It was a, it, that was kind of fun, but not. Yeah, that's definitely the quietest 22 I've ever seen by far. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, Kafaru was there. It was fun to see those guys. Um, just check out some new bags. There was, there was a bunch of people there. Um, I hope it grows. It's a, it's a cool thing. It, it'd be fun to get more and more people out. It'd be, we talked with Scott about some ways to get, you know, maybe more kids involved, more first time shooters, like maybe, a a practice course where we could take people up on Friday or we, we talked about a bunch of ideas. I, I hope to see some of them come about. We'll see how that shakes out. But, um, I think there's a lot going for it. It's a, I think it'd be easier to get into NRL Hunter than it is, you know, I think PRS NRL might be more intimidating coming out to first time because it's 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 extra gamey. You could actually compete and do pretty well a lot of these matches. Like if you just had a Tika two forty three or a, you know your you know whatever, you you could come out and 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 be pretty competitive. I think so. Well, and there's some it, it it's if you've been shooting a lot, it is intimidating the blind stage. You don't know what's coming. Yeah. But there's also something. Um, kind of private about that. Whereas you don't have 20 guys looking over your shoulder as you're messing up. So if you're a new shooter, you don't feel like everyone's laughing at you, so to speak. Like yeah. it doesn't matter how bad you bomb that stage. Luckily just you and an RO side. <laughs> yeah. You don't have an audience. You're just, yep. You know, that's a good yep. point. That's a good point. Yeah. So, um, uh, what were some of, do, do any of your, any stages stick out for the champion, the grand slam, that you that you particularly liked or 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 didn't like or anything like that i really didn't like the one where i couldn't find the target <laughs> um <laughs> no they i thought they were all good I, there were there were easy stages and there were hard stages but what i thought was good about it was you'd have two or three moderate stages in a row and then a hard one and then two or three moderate ones and then a hard one and so you didn't feel like there was one um stage that was making or breaking the whole match there were four or five of the separator mm-hmm. stages so to speak and they were kind of i felt like they were fairly spread out he did have them uh, spread out really well i thought i totally agree yep. yeah there yep. were three or four that that were tough um and there were a couple that were real easy and then a lot of like just pretty like like you said, moderate ones. And I, and I yeah. did the tough ones were spread out and there were some tough ones. And I think it was more about, it wasn't position. Most of those tough ones are prone. Um, it was just, you know, the targets were they're They're short. If you had any vertical, uh, you could miss in a hurry. And we, we, we had a good vertical in this. They were far and there was wind. <laughs> yes. Yes, there was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So no, I thought the same thing. Um, most of it was, I'm trying to think of, how many times did we use tripod rear? I remember we used it on the gate. There was like a cattle gate um, that I used it on where you kind of shot across um, a couple different positions. I think it was four positions, one target, and you had to move four times. You could shoot off the – I shot off – my first shot was off the uh, – I think it was a six-by-six, cemented into the ground, rock stable, just put a bag on there, tripod rear off of that, and then tripod rear on three positions on the gate. And then I'm trying to think of where else we used tripod rear, if at all. I think that's the only one I can think of using it. I think so, too. I thought it was more, and then I was trying to run through in my head. I was like, no, I think we shot. It was almost all just bipod. There was a couple shots. There was a handful of shots where I took um, just a, you know, a game changer on a rock. 
Uh, there was yeah. a few of those shots, you know, no bipod, just a more of your traditional barricade type of thing where, you, you know, gun on the forehand and you're shooting like, you, that, and that's where I noticed the light six by PRC. I'm like, goodness, this thing is, it, it, I, I, I started powered up too high. I was like at 20 power and, you know, 25 power on some awkward positions and I would shoot and I was very thankful I hit the target because if I didn't, I would have no idea where it went because I did not see. <laughs> and so kind of learning where to power down to to be able to see, you know, some of those positions I had to go to 12, 14 when it got pretty wobbly to make sure that I saw where the bullet went. So, um, yeah. but yeah, um, let's see. Anything else you want to hit on that or you want to talk about some some actual hunting stuff? Yeah, no, I, that's, let's talk about something cool. That, that's old news. You know I mean? That was great when it happened, but it was weeks ago. That's true. So what happened for you just recently? You went on a, oh. uh, you went over to Idaho for a little, uh, a little couple, two, three day little trip. Yeah, this, this was the craziest backcountry hunt I've probably been on. Uh, <laughs> Do tell. In no way what I thought it was going to be. So <laughs> I have been just itching to go chase some mule deer around yep. but i don't have i had a north idaho deer tag and a washington deer tag that's all i have so i don't have any i didn't draw anything i tried to buy some other place that didn't work out so i was talking to ryan avery of rockslide buddy of ours yep. and um good dude he's like well i saw a pretty yeah good dude he's like i saw a pretty good um mule deer buck up in this mountain range up north here in idaho He's like, I'll tell you where it's at if you want to go after it with your bow. And I was like, yep, I do. Let's do this. So this is a <laughs> yep, I do. two days before. Hey, two days. I, I got to do a disclaimer. Don't call Ryan Avery and ask for hunting spots. This is a, this was a buddy deal. That's not usually how it goes with, with don't message him on in rock slide and ask him where to go hunting. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and message him. Ask him. <laughs> mention Matt's name. Yeah. Mention Matt's name. Yeah. That's perfect. Why not? Okay. Go for it. So. So I'm like, I haven't been back in five years. I'm pretty out of things. So I'm trying to get my gear together, um, get my mobile dial. I, I had it set up, but it wasn't really to get uh, mobile dude, dial. you're cutting out. And so bad. the day for Jesus. Seriously? Yeah, it's sort of cutting out again. Gosh, I want to get oh, this podcast out. I moved out. my phone. No, that was me. I moved my phone. How about now? It's crystal clear. Well, quit screwing stuff up. Jeez. Oh, I, someone's trying to call. So I was trying to block the call. So it didn't screw things up. Okay. You're good to go. Okay. Back to just, it just started cutting out 15 seconds ago. So we're good. Keep going. Okay. So we're, we're just start over right, North so, Idaho, Avery. You had after that, nothing. So, yeah. So I was just getting my gear together, essentially get my bow dialed in like day before season. I'm talking to Ryan. He tells me, well, I've been seeing a lot of big bears in this area, too, so make sure you have a bear tag. I'm like, well, great, because I don't have an Idaho bear tag. So I had to drive on my way up there. I had to drive an hour out of my way to where I could get an Idaho bear tag. So I pick up a bear tag and drive up to this trailhead, and it's I get there like 1.32 in the morning, <laughs> and it's a gnar- I know it's going to be – I haven't been there, but I know it's going to be a gnarly hike in just looking at Onyx. Yeah. And so I tried to sleep in the back of my truck. I, I just couldn't – like two hours later, couldn't fall asleep. So finally, like four thirty, I think in the morning, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start hiking. So I'm, I'm gearing all my stuff up and I've got, so I have what I call my truck gun. Okay. I was going to say, just to clarify, it's an archery deer hunt. The bear yes. hunt, you can take a gun on. And that's why you went to get a, 
tag. So now you're in the dilemma of, you know, yeah. packing so, two, two deals up there. So I, when I pulled in at like 1.30 in the morning to this trailhead, this old guy was camped in the bushes. I didn't even see him at first. He walked out of the bushes, scared the snot out of me. Oh, jeez. Um, and so we BS for like 30 minutes. I'm just trying to want to go to bed, and he's wanting to chat. But at 1 in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know and that. He's, yeah, he's telling me about all these guys have been ripping through on their four-wheelers. Like oh, just Constantly for the last couple of days. So so then I'm, I've got – what I call my truck gun, but it's just, it's a 16 inch 308 and an XLR chassis, uh, Leopold Mark five on top and a suppressor and folds up. I can put it under seat, whatever. So I'm thinking to myself, I want to take this in case I see a bear. I'm also thinking I don't want to leave it in the truck cause I don't want it stolen, <laughs> but I also don't want to pack it up this mountain. So yeah. I hammed it hot and finally, whatever I folded up, strapped it in my pack. I probably had a, I, I took my sleeping bag, bivy sack, food. There's no water up there, so I took like a gallon and a half water to at least get me by for a day or two. And so I probably had 60-plus pound pack headed up. Yeah, dude, water's so the I started, worst. I, it took me an hour and a half to go a mile. Now, mind oh. you, I, like it was a hard, steep-up mile, but I'm also not in that great of shape right now. And so <laughs> it was – I mean, I was dying of sweat. So right at first light, I get up on this ridge. I – uh found a spot where i wanted to glass from glass all morning long don't see i saw two cow moose is all i saw i'm like oh this is I, <laughs> there's quite a bit of my mind thinking avery has pulled the ultimate prank on me like he just sent me in to the nastiest spot he could think of where i'll never see an animal and <laughs> yeah that way that, i wouldn't put that past him either <laughs> and he's just laughing his like so i glassed till probably 9 30 in the morning something like that and uh by then I'm just like half nodding awful. I'm glassing. And so I kind of set up a little spike camp and I was like, I'm going to take a nap. So I get my sleeping bag, pad out, whatever, lay down. I think nine thirty, ten o'clock. I wake up and it's four in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time to start glassing again, I guess. <laughs> That's a pretty good so, nap. I, it was, it was a great nap. The deer so, probably were all out feeding about noon while you were sleeping and they bedded back man, down. Yeah, maybe there was actually deer there, and I slept through them. Maybe. <laughs> it might have been. But so I left all my gear back at this little spike camp. I hiked out of the ridge a couple hundred yards and start glassing. And I glassed for like I don't know an hour or so. And all of a sudden, I catch movement. There was this kind of a meadow down below me, maybe a thousand yards out. And I catch movement in there. And it, and at first, I thought it was someone's dog. Like that was just my first thought. Was like, there's a dog. Well, there's another dog. And I'm like, is it some stupid hikers up here? And then all of a sudden the light bulb went off. I'm like, oh, those are wolves. And so instantly I'm like, I didn't buy wolf tags. My first, I had planned to buy wolf tags. Yeah, they're like 35 bucks. They're $30 a piece. Mind you, although I've hunted in Idaho so much to the point now where I'm like, I don't need a wolf. I'm not going to see a wolf. Yeah, (sighs) but I also... I didn't even want to kill a bear that bad. And yet I went and spent 200 and some dollars on a bear tag and carried the stupid gun along in case I see a bear. (laughs) And so I, now I'm cursing myself, but I remembered, I thought in Idaho, you could use your deer, bear, or elk tag. You can use it on a lesser species and a wolf is a lesser. So I'm calling everybody. Finally, Ryan answers. And I'm like, dude, I just saw wolves. Can I use my bear tag on a wolf? He goes, I'm not sure. Let me call my fishing game buddy. I'll call you right back. 
So five minutes later, he calls me back. He goes, no, you can't use your bear tag on a wolf, but you can use your elk tag or a deer tag. I said, well, that's good enough. I'm going to see what I can make happen. Nice. So I run back to camp, get my gun. My, I have one magazine with four or five rounds in it. I have, I think it was four <laughs> rounds in it. I have my suppressor in a different compartment. I get it out, screw it on, get all my gear, run back out there, find these things again. They're 950 yards. And I know I can't shoot. The furthest I've shot this gun, I think, is 450, maybe 500. <laughs> so hey, how, I, this how, is where What's I, the ballistics on it? I'm curious. 16-inch, what do you do? I'm shooting a 168 at 2,600 feet a second. All right, all right. Okay. A little yeah. A little rough. You can see him fly really good. Yeah, you can say you can watch it with your naked eye. <laughs> yeah. So the I end up on the phone with you talking yep. like, hey, how far do you think I can pull a shot off with this thing? What? Well, when we were the, talking, it was like 940. I was nine, like, dude, you got to close the distance. You might get one, but you. Person, well, can you get closer? And I'm like, I think. So we talk for a minute, and then I'm like, I got to go. Uh, let me go yep. see what I can. So I moved down the ridge like. 200 yards but the problem was it wasn't straight toward him you know it's kind of yeah. angling toward and so i it was the last place i'd be able to see from and i set up and they were 850 yards and i watched them for probably 10 15 minutes and finally i was like you know what yeah. i gotta make something happen so i didn't have a bipod with me because i was trying to cut weight i just set my backpack out kind of got a rear bag set up um and I was safety off. I'd done my dope 850 with an insane cut. It was probably 15, 20 degree down. I mean, it was Jeez. way below me. And I am safety off getting ready to, there's a big black one that I just, oh, I'd been eyeing it for an hour now. And it was the one. And uh, <laughs> I'm like starting to squeeze the trigger. And I hear this big crash to my left. And I'm obviously on edge because I'm looking at wolves. Yeah. Avery, all he's talk, talked about is how big the bears are in there and how there's grizzly bears everywhere in there. So I kind of let go of the gun. I look to my left, and I'm kind of reaching for my pistol. And it, it's this two cow moose I'd seen earlier. And they go crashing by like 20 yards from me. I go, oh, <laughs> I, kind of a siren. I swing oh. back over my gun, and the wolves are gone. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh. And so – my thought – well, I wasn't that steady, though. I, on the pack, light gun, it just wasn't yep. as steady as I wanted to be. Yep. So I pulled out my tripod, clamped into it on the front, put it out in front of this big boulder I was on, and then put my bag on that boulder kind of as rear support. So I kind of had a front and rear support. Nice. Kind of my tripod as a bipod. Yeah, yeah. Some, some NRL hunter. I was going to say stuff. a little NRL hunter training. There you go. Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> – I watch her a minute, don't see him. I I decided I'd just get a howl with my mouth. So I let out this, this like, I don't know how to howl, but I gave it my college. <laughs> I didn't go to college, but I gave it a college try. Yeah, and so I've heard. These four wolves come trot right back out in that meadow. And so oh. I'm getting ready again. It's 8.50. Well, they trot right through it, kind of coming towards me. So the next opening that I was hoping they'd come in, I range it, and it was 7.60 or something like that. So I... I dial my dope for that. I'm getting ready for there. They don't even stop coming through that. They come through that. They come through this ridge that starts feeding up toward me. And it was kind of the last opening I'd be able to see them in. Um, so I ranged ahead. I had a spot picked out at 670 yards. If they come into that, I am, I'm sending one and we're going to see what happens. And there was a pretty good wind coming over the ridge. Um, 
but then it was protected after that. So I was like, man, it's got to be, I'm going to get some left to right, especially this 308 at that maybe half mil or something. Yeah. And so they came out in that opening and that black one was out in front. And I thought, well, the way it was turned, I could kind of hold guts, butt ish. Yep. And if it drifted into its shoulder, half mil would be right into its shoulder. So I held that shot, pulled the trigger, and they just a buckle the thing. Like just oh, dude. dead off. I, 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 I'm just in all I, I don't even I can't that's like such a for guys that don't live around here that, that don't understand the wolf situation like I can't even I mean we probably should talk about keep, keep going keep going I just I'm just yeah. like I'm just like oh I'm so jealous because I want to kill a wolf so bad and they're anyway that's that's amazing okay sorry keep going <laughs> so well so I, I just kind of froze for a second in awe of what just happened. And then the other ones are still kind of trotting around. So I throw another round in, I howl and another one's going away from me. Um, and when I howl, it stops, but this one's straight away now. So I know I can't hold left side of it, you know? So I yeah. hold half mil, boom, that one drops too. Whoa. And now I'm just I, like, like kind of looking around like is anyone seeing this like i don't even know what to do with this like there's point. not even an ro here to watch this yeah, exactly <laughs> and so i'm trying to decide what to do so i scan back over to look for the first one and i can't find it scan back over to the second one and it's trying to like it's not down down like it yeah, went down yeah. but it's trying to get back up yep so i send two more rounds at this thing as it's headed for the brush line they miss because yeah. it was moving yeah and I mean, I made two good shots. I could have made four great shots. <laughs> You're like, listen, so, two's good enough. <laughs> um, it disappears in the brush, and next thing you know, the other two that were there start howling and growling, and I'm just, I, it was, it was absolutely Whoa. crazy. I don't even know what to do at this point. And then I get to thinking, I'm like, well, one of them, that's my deer tag. The second one, that's my elk tag. Hunt season just ended. <laughs> and there, the valley floor that they had just come out of, they came up a little, but it was like sixteen or seventeen hundred feet below my spike camp, which I'd come down towards oh, them a little. Geez. They'd come up towards me a little, but it was a seventeen hundred foot overall drop. So I got kind of my gear together, and it took me a good long time to get down. I mean, going through cliffs and rock slides and stuff. Yeah, hours. And I finally down in there. And I walk right out. I find that black one right away. I'd marked it good. Nice. And I'm like, well, that's my deer tag. And I'm like, well, <laughs> we're going to go look over the hill here and see what happens. And I just peek over the hill and I see the other one dead right there. I'm like, well, that's my elk tag. <laughs> so my new tags are sold out in Idaho. It's not like I can't go buy another deer elk tag. And yeah. There might be some leftovers later or something. But, um, Dude, that is awesome. So I, as I'm getting up on them, though, in the brush, it's getting dark. I, I'm trying to get them where I can take a couple pictures. One of them is in the brush, like 150 yards away. I don't have any more rifle rounds. I had four rounds. I shot them all. I've just got my <laughs> pistol now. And this thing is barking and growling at me in the dark. And it did that for like an hour while I was skinning them out. I, I kind of positioned myself with this cliff behind me and watched in front of me as I skinned these out. And it was... By the time I got them skinned and packed back to my spike camp, it was like midnight. And by then, I was out of water. So I didn't want to sleep 
spend the night there, wake up with no water. So I decided to just push through. So I put everything on my pack. And I, I don't know, it was like two in the morning. I finally got back to the truck, limped back oh. to the truck. I was, but it was, so Dude. I left, it was like 22 hours or something. I was out straight. Luckily I slept like, I was going to say you got a little nap up. in there, but <laughs> Dude, that is so but it was cool. Great. I never, I've seen a couple wolves in the wild. You hear them all the time. You see sign of them, yep. you find dead animals from them. Yep. I've never got a shot at one. Um, I know guys who've trapped them. I don't know many guys who've shot them up here. It's just so thick. You it's just, tough. You don't see them. Yeah, we've been yeah. we've had them all around us archery hunting. We've bugled them in multiple times. We've all the same thing. I've never had a chance with a gun at one. I've never had a chance with a bow at one. They're just we've had a few crossroads. We hear them all the time. Um, I, you know, you get. I don't even. I'm not going into wolf wolf ethics because it's, it's not even a debate anymore. Uh, they need to be managed. They're devastating on ungulates, especially elk and moose. Um, you know, yeah, they at some point they balance out after all the elk are dead and they starve, or they just move. They're now they're in Oregon, they're in California. They just move. They'll kill everything and yep. leave. And so I don't know how much it balances out. You just go down to not very many elk numbers, and yeah, maybe in fifteen to twenty years the elk come back. But you know, I don't. There's a lot of people that like to think you just shouldn't shoot wolves. This could be a long topic, but there there's a ton of them in Idaho, a tons of them in Washington, Oregon. Uh, Washington, Oregon, you still can't hunt them because we're, we're too crazy on p- politically. But Oregon's or Idaho, Wyoming, a lot of the states are allowing it because it's a it's a major issue. The the units I use I used to hunt 10A and 10B in in Idaho. Uh, I don't care about saying that because there's no elk left. <laughs> there's, I mean, they're used to the the year, uh, the year. Or the year after they introduced wolves, they did a count, and that's called the Lolo unit. There was uh, between ten and 12,000 elk um, six years or seven years into the wolf reintroduction. And it had been a, one of the most like highest concentration of elk, high tag numbers, tons of like outfitter camps that had been there for 20 and 30 years, and there's whole businesses, family businesses built on outfitting these elk for, for decades and decades and decades. And six, seven years later, they did counts that were under a thousand. So it was over a ninety percent reduction in elk numbers. Uh, the moose, the moose in that area are gone as well. Um, it's I'm preaching the choir with most everybody, but I feel like you almost have to say it now because people are like, "Well, why did you shoot that? Or why didn't you eat that?" And you're like, "It's just like face palm moment." You're like, "You don't oh, it's, understand." I mean, my Instagram page, I posted a picture of those two wolves, and there's two polar opposites. There's people, oh, thank you. Thank you. We need to get these killed. Thank you so much yeah. for what you did. Yeah. And these people, how could you ever kill a wolf? They're endangered. Uh, and and this these uh, people are from Chicago, and, yeah. and they've never seen a wolf. They have no idea how it works in the real world. Yeah. But, you know, they saw something on the Discovery Channel that said wolves are endangered, so they think it's exactly. awful. Yeah. They're so far but, from endangered. They're just big coyotes that they kill like you can't believe. They're so good at it. Um Anyway, that, I probably don't need to go into depth, but I, you, you well, feel like when you shoot a wolf, you got to mention it almost. They've probably been doing a great job in there because I never saw a single mule deer in this great drainage that Avery sent me into. Yeah. He probably knew what he was doing. He just wanted to get some wolves killed, so yeah. good on him. Yeah, yes. he's like, oh, we'll send the killer in there. We'll let him do his job. <laughs> no, he was, he was <laughs> jealous, too. He came and met me at Fish and Game while I was getting him checked in. She oh, had cool. Get he came and saw him, and he's like, man, this is so awesome. Like, you just – you don't – you don't get many chances at them. They're just smart. It's like they're, a cougar. Yeah, it is. 
cougar out there. Yeah, there's a ton of cat. Frick, I've shot a, three cougars, and I, I'm like, I want to shoot a wolf so bad. I've got lucky. I've shot a couple just glassing, but there's a lot of cats around. I mean, just predator-wise, we have a lot because of the, the fish and game laws are changing. But, yeah, there's there's a ton, and you hear – I've heard a lot of wolves, um, and – yeah, when we were camp, we were elk. One of the last years we were in that unit, we had elk camp. We had our camp set up, and there was these two calf moose that were playing in the. We were by this creek, and they were playing in the creek. We'd see them every day, and they were born that spring. This was in the fall, so they're you know they're decent size, but they're young, splashing around playing. Uh, two three days goes by, and there's this big finger ridge that runs down to the creek and up into this mountain, and you we could hear those wolves that night coming down, just howling their way down, and. Um, they caught them, they caught those calves and the, it not like two hours later, we woke up and we could hear the calves screaming and they killed both those calves, left them on the, one of the Creek, one on the bank. And, um, they left, they didn't eat any of them. They just killed them and leave. It's just what they, they're dogs. I mean, they're, it's just like when you let dogs in with chickens, they'll just kill a bunch of chickens cause they're dogs. So, um, yep. it's not. I guess it's not their fault. It's it's more politicians' fault in my mind. But you, they got to be managed. It's just ah, they drive me. It's just a it's a it's a frustrating situation. Colorado's uh, voted to bring them to Colorado. It's going to be real tough on that elk herd. It'll be the next five ten years are going to be pretty interesting there. So um, anyway, that's well, enough enough well, about Well, you wolves. know, I did, but I, good, I, but I good work. You did your part. You did your part. Yeah. Has Avery ever killed a wolf? I don't. Even, I don't know. Yeah. He's um, he killed, I think he's killed one or two. He was telling me a okay. story about, um, Gosh, but yeah, I want to do, I want to do that so bad. So yeah. I went down, um, we met, let's see, Joe, the, uh, when we were at the California, uh, NRL Hunter, uh, we, you and I crashed up, uh, Joe's caretaking this place. I can't even pronounce his name. It's like Sarah Gino or something. He's a great dude. But, um, uh, he, I was connected with some guys that had uh, Thule elk tags. So there's three different species of elk in the United States. There's Rocky Mountain, Roosevelt, and Thule elk. And my buddy Ben, who I've hunted with and grown up with, um, kind of started talking along the lines of, of, you know, the last, you know, two, three, four years ago, we've been talking about for a while now, of chasing the North American 29. So it's every big game animal, huntable, you know, uh, game animal in North America and there's 29 different species and, and Thule elk is one of them. So we had been talking about that for a few years and it lined up and we, we were able to go down there, um, uh, last, Oh, it's been a week, I guess a week ago today, um, went down there and hunted and, and Ben and I both got good bulls. There are smaller species, um, than Rockies. Rockies have the biggest horns, um, on average and, and, and then rosies and then tulies are the smallest. So they're kind of a unique elk species. They're, um, a little different, but it was a pretty, pretty, uh, a pretty simple hunt. Um, it's, it's, it's private land. They're, they're free range, but they're, there's not a ton of hunting pressure. The tag numbers are, it's really hard to get a tule elk tag. So we looked over a bunch of, bunch of different elk and hunted for a few days and, and Ben had found a, one he liked. And then, um, after he got his, and then I got mine uh, later that day. So not a real tough hunt, a lot of glass and, you know, kind of driving up and glassing from ridges and stuff where you're not, not a lot of backpacking or anything, but it was cool. I'll post some pictures of that, but not as a, those bulls were, those bulls were awesome. Those are half what inspired me because I was sitting around <laughs> and you're, 
send me picture of these elk and i was like that's it i'm gonna go find a mule deer to kill and then i didn't find a mule deer but i found some wolves so at least i did something with my life you trade a i trade a i trade a mule deer it would have to be a pretty big mule deer oh how, okay how big of a mule deer would it take to trade those wolves for if you had those I don't. What, what do you think 180 no it would have to be i i like 190 <laughs> i i've killed big mule deer before you, i've never killed a wolf that's true that's true you have killed 180 for me is would be really tough i would hate to be in that situation you're looking at a giant buck on one side and then two and some wolves over here i'd shoot i'd i'd try to go for the trifecta i well yeah obviously I, obviously yeah. You'd, you'd hit the one and swing over to the other one and see what you could do but you know they were in such an awful place to hike out of i was super glad that only had to take skull and hides if i'd had to oh. take the meat from a mule deer i may have died back in there <laughs> dude what is it about like the i love those those hikes and those hunts where it just sucks you're like dude i just did that in a day or you know, those crazy bonsai trips where you race in and it works out and then you're just you about to kill yourself coming out but it's so fun when you get home you feel like you feel like you accomplished something i just i love that feeling the whole time you're just head down hiking for like six hours straight just every inch of you hurts oh, it was you're hot like, too wasn't it's it be awesome when it's over yep. it's gonna be awesome when it's over yeah what do they call that like type two fun or whatever there's type one fun like roller coasters and whatever watching a movie and then type two fun where it's sucks it's horrible and it's the best thing ever when it's done yeah exactly so that's that's a lot of what hunting is i think a lot of hunting gets romanticized but it's a whole lot of work for just a little bit of a little bit of 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 the situation so anyway i'll get some pictures posted probably with our uh our little podcast post here i'll I'll have monica my wife she'll uh do we could do a little split screen of your wolves and, and my elk and and do that but so we're at um i think that was number 17 for me um on the species list <laughs> going up to Kodiak Island uh, on Sunday. I'm going to try to hunt uh, Sitka deer and, and they, there are some caribou on that Island. We're going to dig into that. Um, so we'll see what, see how that shakes out. And now I'm, I'm Jones into hunt, man. It's been, a few, I used to hunt a lot and it's been a few years of, of more shooting than hunting. And I can feel the bug big time right now. <laughs> like we were talking oh, mule deer before. It's like all yeah, I want to do is find a mule deer now, right now. And I just wasted two of them. I didn't waste them, but I burned two of my tags on wolves. If I'd have used my brain, I'd have had wolf tags. I'd still be able to still be, be deer, deer and elk in Idaho right now. <laughs> You'd still be going on wild goose chases for Avery. So exactly. Anyway, was there? Hey, was uh, were there any corrections you needed to do that Jake misspoke about you that you need to set the world straight on? Oh, or, or no? Oh, oh you gonna bring that up? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I just thought throw it out there. <laughs> well, I mean, he did. <laughs> <laughs> this is two. Is this two? Was it two podcasts ago? You guys talked about Wisconsin? Yeah, I think so. It was. It was a little bit. Well, of, yeah, I yeah, mean, a couple he, podcasts ago. Yep, yep. He had mm. some some technical errors on our <laughs> things like our shooting order and things like me shooting a zero and then him shooting a one on that stage when technically he shot a one and then I shot a zero after him. And then why why does that matter? Of, why don't you explain why that, why that matters? I'll tell you why it matters is because <laughs> he was in front of me in the shooting order that day yep. and him in his infinite wisdom, coach Jake, which <laughs> Jake has coached me a lot. You've coached me a lot. You guys are my my mentors in this new shooting endeavor of mine. And that brilliant 
son of a gun decided to dial six tenths in his gun the wrong way and give me some great wind calls <laughs> for the rest of the day with me following him. See, that's and the so, exact point that I just made for the NRL hunter. If it was hunter, it wouldn't have mattered. But on that, you exactly. got, you're like, well, I know Jake's a good shooter. I know he's breaking good shots. If he hit with six tenths, it must be six tenths. <laughs> if it was anyone else, I'd be like, no, you're wrong, but it was yeah. Jake. So yeah. <laughs> you got to listen to him. Anyway, finally the second day, then we alternate order and I went in front of him and then I burned it down day two. I, I think I was only, one or two points off the top score on day two nice. um, after being way in the back with Jake on day one. So I just, <laughs> he brought me down to his level. Normally Jake's supposed to bring me up to his level, but it was constant. He brought me down to his level. I think that's a good clarification. <laughs> I had to, I want to bring it up cause it's funny. That's, I, <laughs> I still love you, Jake. People got a kick out of, uh, out of, you know, and the, I mean, everybody makes mistakes. I think some people think that we don't, but we're, we do dumb stuff a lot. So, I mean, we try not to, and our dumber things get smaller and smaller, but, uh, we're all human. So <laughs> anyway, so I guess we could, or I got some editing to do. I'll patch that first piece in. And when you start cutting out, we'll, uh, um, I'll patch it and, and throw this piece together. But yeah, I apologize for having horrible internet. No, you know, no, I just, no worries. I'd rather do this than uh, than not. Obviously, we're delayed. There's a lot of Interrail Hunter. We need to do... Maybe you guys throw uh, Interrail Hunter questions if you got them coming up. I think the first match... It's off-season now for hunting season. I think they're going to start up in... I think it's January or yeah, February. Like January, so, February. Somewhere this winter, they'll start back up. So I think a lot of you guys love it. I think it's a great way to get people involved. Um uh, if you guys have questions, um, gear or, or anything to do with Interrail Hunter, throw those out there. Um, I'll save up the questions and I, I love having Matt on. We're buddies and we talk all the time. So it's fun to have him on and, and, and do this. So we'll, we'll get back on and, and talk, talk Interrail Hunter more before the season opens back up. And I'll, I want to hit it hard. It does, it does feel like to me a couple things after just looking back. Um, if you can make weight with the triple pull, it's pretty, pretty handy. Um, I, I like in almost every stage, um, I, I, I run up there, I take my tripod out and I deploy that. And I glass, I like to glass off my tripod. I, I, I don't, don't stand there and freehand your binos. So try and for ranging too, same thing, you oh, know, you glass your tripod yeah. and then you're ranging off your tripod. Cause if you try to freehand range those, forget about it. You're going to miss a lot of targets on elevation. So yeah, absolutely. I like to do like, if you can run a triple pull, great. Even the double pulls are great. A lot of guys run a double pull. I think you could do a lot with that double pull. Um, but those, those two bipods definitely are the preeminent, um, preeminent things on the, for hunter rigs, glass off your tripod. Um, it does feel like the six, five Creed is kind of the perfect, balance of where the sport's at right now. Um, a lot of guys are running a 6.5 Creed with a 135 um, A-tip. It seems like that's a pretty good a pretty good mix. I do. I think it would be fun to come out with a Norma or something and play with something. I, I like to shoot a 300 Norma out of a 16-pounder. I think that would be kind of fun. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what it would I, probably knock I, some T-posts over, but it would be... I think I, I'm going to might play around with it a little bit, just qualify, and then to spend a couple matches bringing some random stuff. So... Um, but the, for gaming, the six, five Creed with the one thirty five, um, 
I, one thing when we were at the match, I had to, I was shooting uh, the one fifty sixes out of the PRC, which I love that combination, the burgers, but I had an eight round mag. And by the time, you know, I had a couple stages where I shot four rounds and if you hit first round impact, you clean. And so I, there's four rounds left in my mag. Well, I did that a few times and then I pulled those four out the bottom and they had seeded in about 30, 40 thousandths um, from slamming into the uh, front of the mag on recoil. And so I started taking two mags with four rounds in each or, or five rounds in, in each, just in case I missed one. And th- that's a benefit of a creed is just not, it's a lot less recoil you're not slamming yeah, the, I when you showed me that i couldn't believe how much those couple rounds had seeded and in. it was good neck tension it wasn't like i was running a thou i mean i'm running i think it was three i mean it was pretty it was pretty tight a lot of it was virgin brass and so it's maybe even a lot more than that yeah. so yeah um anything i mean range finding binos we mentioned that earlier any other kind of just things you've learned from this season that yeah i think that the range finding binos are big having a hard data card backup. Yep. Um, yep. There was one stage in Nebraska where I got so much snow in my binos, they wouldn't range. So that they want to give my data. Um, and I, I was pretty sure on the range, but I don't know my dope um, that well for that six, five Creedmoor. So at least it had a data card that you could look at. You get an idea if something goes wrong with your binos. Yeah. That's um, a good call. Just some backup stuff like that. Yep. But, but the power, you know, what's interesting about it is, we've been kind of dogging the PRC saying, Oh, Creedmoor would be better, but you would have got second there if you'd have been shooting a Creedmoor. That's true. Um, That's true. So, so the power factor is the, that's um, a good point. The tiebreaker. So there's something to be said for that. I, if you're not worried about the tiebreaker, man, just make power factor and that's the best option. But there's something to be said about, you know, if you can, if everyone or the majority of guys are shooting one thirty fives at, 2850 well if you can shoot 143s or 140s at 28-something, you're going to have that little edge for the tiebreaker at least. So yeah. I've yeah. kind of thought about that a little, about bumping up just instead of just making power factor, scaling up one more level um, for just-in-case ties because, you know, winning's great. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, getting into it, not as important, but, yeah, absolutely something to consider down the road. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, what bags, what were your go-to bags this year for that? uh, AICS. No, uh, bags. Oh, like shooting bags. Shooting bags, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I used this medium sand fill a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I had one of, Scott's making those, are they calling them the bone? I think so, yeah. Um, It's got to get light in it. Yeah, with the git light, I that was kind of my backup if I needed to make some extra um, space up or something. I had that as my backup, so I like to have at least two bags with me. Yeah, that's um, what I run. I was running the mini uh, heavy, but I think the Schmedia might be. I was running the mini heavy and then a full size with with git light. Um, but I think that Schm- that Schmedia is so nice when you're shooting off rocks and stuff. I actually borrowed borrowed a bat, one of those for the finale and. Yeah, that's. I, I think you want a smaller. I think you want a heavy bag on the smaller side, and then a bigger light fill bag. Yep. Uh, just to kind of cover all your bases. Yep, for sure. So, right on. Well, we're probably an hour and a half or something. I don't know after I put them together. So, dude, thanks for coming on. Always like talking with you. I'm super, super stoked about your wolves. That was fun to when you know we were talking when you found them, and then 
having you having it work out. I was like, because at nine fifty, I'm like, dude, sixteen inch three hundred eight. That's gonna be. You could maybe walk one in, but it's gonna be tough. And so when you even at even at seven hundred, I felt yeah. like that was one of the best shots I've. You know, I've shot stuff quite a bit further with a three hundred Norma six five PRC three thirty eight something like that. Yeah, but. but it was a lot of it was a lot of dope and a lot of wind for yeah, dude. That's so thing. so sick. It's I was so jacked, and you saved a whole pile of deer and elk, so that's always a little side benefit. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, good luck up there in Alaska. I wish I was coming. Dude, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll find Alaska flight and see you up there. Well, I, I was gonna say I think uh, that's what I'm crossing my fingers for. So hope I'd love to see you up there. But yeah, we gotta find it gotta find some mule deer you and i are both we talk about it and i actually got on the phone for trying i'm gonna plan some stuff for next year i gotta be a little more proactive and start planning right now for next year so i get to last minute with some of this stuff and it that's not the best way to go with some of it so anyway um thanks again and i what's your next match i don't know my work season's about to get crazy here in a couple weeks and it may be the PRS finale I don't know. All right. So, At the age, I mean, the only two I have on my calendar that I'll be able to skip work for are the AG Cup and the PRS finale. So unless unless I get a slow spot, I might squeak one in, but that's okay. probably it. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm going to get back from Alaska and then uh, just start looking at schedules and seeing what, what works out. So, But um, thanks a ton for coming on. Always good talking with you. And until next time, uh kill some more stuff (laughs) i will do my best all right all right thanks man see you see you buddy